Hi everyone, welcome back to Mind Uncovered. My name is Fabiana and I'm really happy to be here recording this episode for you. But today I'm not alone, I have an amazing guest. So her name is Misty and she's a neuroscientist. Misty, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me on here, Fabiana. I'm really <laughs> excited to um, talk a little bit more about what I do in neuroscience. Um, so do you want me to start off with a little intro on myself? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So um, currently I'm working on my master's in applied cognition and neuroscience. But before that, I was a business major. So I come from a pretty rural area in Midwest Missouri in the Ozark Mountains. And I didn't really know that science was an option for women. Most women... Mm -hmm girls you know in high school we were focused on probably getting married and having a family and um I thought because my grandmother was a nurse a psychiatric nurse I always thought that her mind was so fascinating so at uh, early age I I was introduced to the mind and meditation and different things like that so but the easiest path for me to get scholarships was to go to business school. So I went to business school um, on my scholarships. And when I finished, I got a job at Santander, which is a very large bank. It's, I think, the second largest bank in the uh, world, potentially. Wow. And I don't know if that's changed now. And I was making great money, but I was working in an office. And I just, I didn't feel fulfilled. Uh, oh, and then wow. I, I ended up doing actually runway modeling. And I went overseas to Germany and Kosovo, um, Istanbul. I went to Laos. I went a bunch of different places. And that's when I kind of started to wake up, up to different cultures and different people and how other people live. And when I was doing runway for the troops, uh, a lot of troops, they just, the way that they appreciated us being there, you know, and mm -hmm. they were basically fighting for our country. And so I'm, I'm thinking, well, thank you for, you know, you being here. So it was, it was very inspiring. And then also to see how other people live differently. So I came back and I told my grandma, I said, you know, I, I think that I'm in the wrong field. I want to work with people and I want to help people in a more clinical setting. And she was so ahead of her time. That's when she said, well, Misty, why don't you do neuroscience? And I didn't know that neuroscience was an option. I thought that it was psychology that I wanted to do. And so then I went into neuroscience and I absolutely fell in love. I got my associates uh, or my, sorry, my bachelor's. And then now I'm working on my master's. And um, I worked in a deep brain stimulation lab, anti-aging lab. I worked in um, pediatric um, social cognition. And now my research has kind of landed on compassion and how we can all create and cultivate a more passionate world. And so that's where I am now. I took a non-traditional path and non-traditional approach, mm -hmm. but I am still thankful for all the experiences I had um, because I think that makes me a great neuroscientist. 
Yeah, of course. I can totally agree. I mean, experiences are the things that shape us. And even though, like, maybe that part wasn't that traditional, I think it's just, like, still great, you know, that you found kind of, like, your purpose and the things that you want to do. So it's a great thing. I think it's very, very inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. So um, since you are, you know, like a neuroscientist, can, do you think you can explain us a bit more about what neuroscience is? So neuroscience is the study of the brain. Um, and some of the classes, if you're interested in doing neuroscience, some of the things that I've, or some of the classes I've taken are like neuropharmacology. That's where you figure out how different drugs affect the brain. There's neuropsychology, um, where you can learn about different um, affects that the brain has or different cognitive diseases or just the ways that we think. There's also, um, I've taken neonatal neurology. Um, <laughs> there's neurophysiology. That's when you work with different machines like the um, EEG and reading the different scan. And uh, so neuroscience can, it's a kind of a mix. This is what I think it is, at least. It's kind of a mix in between psychology and medicine. All right. And there's okay. a clinical path you can take, or you can take a path to be a scientist. And the scientist is when you're researching new pathways or new medicines, or you're trying to figure out how different diseases work or how to cure them, or even um, to figure out when they happen. So it's anything that really has to do with the brain. All right. That sounds great. You know, that's why I'm really, really interested in neuroscience. All right. And like, can you work with people as in like, I don't know, um, checking some cases out or something like that while you are a neuroscientist or do you need to be like a neurologist for that? I would say that a neurologist probably works more with people. So that's what's called the clinical setting. Uh, but neuroscientists do it as well. You would just want to be a clinical neuroscientist. Uh, a lot of other scientists, they do work on lab animals, which is something you'll find out if you decide to take the neuroscience uh, career path in college. So I've taken labs where uh, I, I did work with the lab rats and that can be anything from different types of mazes to figure out cognition and how they think mm -hmm. to using different chemical compounds or different drugs and seeing how those affect the animals. Uh, so you can, you're figuring out their behavior. So, and there are other animals that can be used. That's just the only other animals I've ever worked with. And that was for my classes. Mm -hmm. But in my intern experience, I've worked with only human participants. And oh, so wow. that's, yeah, that's the clinical side. So there's two sides and it just depends what you want. And then also there's where you may not work with either. You just, you may be uh, figuring out different ion channels and different uh molecular parts of the brain, you may not have to work with the lab animals. Someone else may do that part. And then you just may look closer into the tissue. Um, I mean, it's such a vast field. There's, there's so many, many different paths. 
and I'm not a neurologist. Uh, you have to go to med school for that. But I, I can say that as a neurologist, that's when you're diagnosing and you're working with humans. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, for example, if I wanted to become a clinical neuroscientist, what is kind of like the path that I should take? So for example, what are like the degree levels you can get while studying neuroscience? I would say if you want to be a clinical neuroscientist, so that's what I'm trying to decide right now. Do I want to go into medicine and get that MD or do I want to do a PhD? So with a PhD, I could still be a clinical neuroscientist. I would probably focus in neuropsychology, running different neuropsychometric testing, which is another thing you'll learn about uh, in school. And you'll figure out, do I like running these pre and post tests? And do I like working with my human participants to figure out what's going on with them psychologically and then applying that to different parts of the brain and how it's working in the brain and the limitations. Um, so if you want to do that, what you would do is you go to school, you get your bachelor's, first of all, make sure that this is what you want to do, that you love. And then you would continue, you get your master's, then you get your PhD. And as you take that path, the, as more years go by, you're going to figure out that niche that you have. So are you going to be working with giving different um, medicines? Or are you going to be working with testing? Or are you going to be working with um, people that have different cognitive disorders? So I recommend as soon as you get into school and you choose your classes, I would recommend finding a lab where they have human participants. Mm -hmm. All right. And what jobs can you have, like which each degree levels? For example, I suppose that the different jobs that I can have when I just have my bachelor and when I have like a PhD. That's a great question. So the place that I actually, the first place I interned at was, is called the Center for Brain Health and it's part of UT Dallas. And the woman I met there, her name is Maria Johnson. She was my mentor and, um, it was amazing because here she is a, a mother and working in neuroscience. She's a clinician. And so what we did was work with children on the autism spectrum disorder mm -hmm. and, or the autism spectrum. And we used virtual reality to measure what was going on with them and could we help them through that. And for me, that was really interesting. I was able to work with younger groups of people um, because it was called pediatric, but we worked mainly with preteens and teens. And so that's one example of where you could work. You could go to a research facility. There's a bunch of places, almost every university that focuses on neuroscience will have one. A lot of times they're called, you know, the brain center or, um, a, a cognitive center or anything like that. And um, you can apply places there because they need scientists. And if you wanna be the lead scientist, then you're gonna need a PhD. But there's many scientists that have a master's or have a bachelor's. And so I would recommend again, finding one of these places that you can make home and you can do the research. You may start out by helping them with their research, filing papers and researching the topic. 
And then you just figure out, you know, do I want to work with children every day or do I want to work with um, another lab I worked in? We were doing studies on multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. So I would vet people to, um, could they come into the lab and receive scans? And I also had to learn how to use an fMRI machine. And so everything that you can imagine that has to do with the brain, there's research going on for that. The hard part is finding the city that it's in. I'm really lucky because Dallas does have a lot of cognitive based centers. And now that neuroscience is becoming a bigger thing, I think a lot more cities do have places where there's a demand for neuroscientists. Mm -hmm. There's also jobs in, it's called brain monitoring. It's actual term is intraoperative neurophysiological monitoring. That's when people have spinal surgeries or brain surgeries. There's also other types of surgeries, but the brain should be monitored and or the spinal nerves and the spinal cord to make sure that you're not losing that function, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to go into surgery for your spine and then come out of surgery and not be able to talk. Yeah, of course. You know, so, and I think that's a really, really cool thing to do is to be able to do the brain monitoring. Um, and then there's one more that I want to mention because I also did this. It's uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation. There's a lot of practices popping up now that do TMS, and this helps people with different disorders. And I think mainly they're focusing right now on depression but it can also, there's some research showing that it may be useful for uh, ADHD and other disorders. So in a nutshell, that's some of the options that you can do clinically. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it sounds really, really cool. You know, I just really love the fact that kind of like little fields or little things you can do within the science, within the science, science field is just like really great. But do you think that it's kind of hard to get into a job being a neuroscientist or other like many options and it isn't that hard? So no and yes. When I found out that I loved this, I know that I could, I can apply places around here and I can be a technician and I could be happy doing that because I would be working with people. I wouldn't be a doctor, but I would still be working with people. And there's many places that need technicians to, you know, bring the clients in or the patients and to run different pre and post testing and to file. And it's kind of, it's, you're not the lead scientist, but you're still doing meaningful work in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. And then it can be hard in the sense that there's so many options of what you can do with neuroscience. For me, it was difficult to figure out which subfield I wanted to focus in. And then is that offered in my city? So the best thing I would recommend is to start reading research papers. If you subscribe to a neuroscience, um, like neuroscience news or anything like that, different blogs, and they pump out these research papers. If one fascinates you and you think, oh, that's so interesting, then you look and see who the researcher is and what that school and what school they did this research at. Mm 
then that's the school you're going to want to apply to because eventually that's the end goal, right? You think that you may want to work in that lab. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's even neuro um, that focus on robotics and the different synapses. Of, wow. There's just so much. You can go into a more physics-based field with neuroscience. You can go into a more medical-based or biology-based. There's there's so many, many options. And it was the hard part, you know, I'm like, I love it all. <laughs> but as I kept chipping away at it, I'm like, okay, I, I started working with people. I know I want to work with people. So now that limits it. This is, this is what I want to do working with people. So it cuts out everything else for me. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But like you still kind of, I don't know, confused about whether going into medical school and like being just a clinical neuroscientist. So like what what would you say is like your main problem while choosing that? So my main problem with deciding whether I want to do medical school or if I want to pursue, uh, pursue a PhD is that if I applied once I get into medical school, then I have four more years of just medical school. And then there's the, the specialty and the subspecialty that doesn't guarantee that I'm going to be a neurologist. They might put me in family medicine or emergency medicine. There's, there's just so many options and it's Mm -hmm. not up to me, but I can remain where I am and with what I love and with what I like, and I can get a PhD and I can still be a clinical psychologist or a clinical neuroscientist. And I can still work with people and I can be more on the cutting edge of these new maybe treatments, right? Because I'm the one studying these new treatments. I'm studying these new pathways. I'm studying how these things work in the brain and they're new. And we're going to clin- we're doing clinical testing and clinical trials, and then they get FDA approved. That's then when those treatments go to the doctors. So that's kind of what I'm stuck in between. Do I want to know I'm going to be working with people and doing neuroscience indefinitely? Then I need to do PhD. If I love science enough, which I do, then I have to accept that. I might go to medical school and not come out a neurologist. So you have to let go of those attachments and kind of let yourself continue to bloom into where you're supposed to be in medicine. So Mm -hmm. for a diehard neuro person, medical school may not be the path for you unless you know you have that 13 to 17 years to dedicate to becoming uh, having that specialty for neurosurgery or neurology. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what their path exactly is because I'm not in it yet. But as of right now, I'm still consider myself a pre-med student and I'm still taking the path toward medical school. Wow. Okay. So I think like it's also kind of like my problem too. And I'm not even in college yet, you know, but it's just like, I really don't know. And being an international student, I think it adds up to that because there's just like a little chance that I may actually get into medical school in the case that I decide the pathway. And then like being a neuroscientist, it will be just like really, really nice because I am just like in love with this field. But I just think that I've got like this feeling in me that would be really nice also to diagnose people and to work with them and to treat them. 
So it's like a very, very tough decision. So I can definitely understand you right now because like you are about to, I think like make that decision. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's very tough. Well, I'll definitely keep you updated because I enjoy being able to help other people. And another reason that I've left that door open for medical school and PhD is because you never stop learning as a doctor or as a scientist. And so it would be smart of me to take my MCAT. And then if I get into my dream school and I know that I can compete at the level, then I'll go there. But then you also have to worry about the funding and things like that. But to just shut down that option would be so silly. What if I change my mind in five years? You know, what if I am doing clinical work as a neuroscientist? And then I think, okay, well, I'm going to go and become a doctor now. I'm going to get my MD. So mm -hmm. it would be better for me to kind of already have those steps in place in case I do change my mind. I'm really afraid of making the wrong decision again because I've I kind of spent my life going through these, I call them opportunities, but going through these opportunities and lessons to get where I am so that I can work with people and, and hope, hopefully diagnose them. I don't want to make a decision that's so ironclad that I can't go back and get my PhD or I can't go back and get an MD because mm -hmm. the work that I'm doing right now is already important. And although I'm neither of those yet, the work I'm doing in neuroscience is still important for people, for every, for the world, for everyday use, the environment. And um, I think that that shouldn't get lost in translation. I think that too often the way that schools are set up, we get in this competitive cycle and we forget how much meaning that we've brought to this world just by being us and having our brains, right? Because that's a, in itself a sense of neurodiversity. Your brain's not like my brain. And my brain's not like my brother's brain, you know, even though we're siblings. Yeah. And so what he can bring to the medical field or what he can bring to any job is still science and neuroscience in itself. And that's still beautiful and, and meaningful. So it's really important for people to go on these journeys. Um, but be sure to filter out what you know you don't want. Don't close the door on the things that you may want. And I was going to say one more thing um, in regards to being an international student, I think that that's a, a strong point or a stronghold is because if you're in a different culture, uh, you have a different lifestyle, you have a different language, you that right there is neurodiversity. And so is a physician and is a neuroscientist, is a scientist in general, not everybody that we're working with is going to be the same. And so I would say not to be afraid. Don't let that be a negative part of you applying to medical school. I would still apply to medical school in the U.S. or in the country that you're in. I mean, I'm applying to medical school in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be my dream is to go do medicine in Ireland. It's beautiful there. Um, I already did an internship there. I love the people and people there need doctors, just like people here in the U.S. need doctors. If you have a passion for helping people, then it's really important to stay on that path. 
And I would use being an international student as a strong point. I mean, you have different experiences than people that are here in the US and that can make you more compassionate, that can make you more empathetic, that can make you more understanding. And your brain can think outside of the box in certain instances that the other scientists or doctors that you work with may not have thought that way. Wow, that was so motivational, thank you. All right, um, okay, so I have just like a couple more questions here. Um, do you think there's a sexism problem like within the science fields? I watched a really good docu documentary the other day called Picture a Scientist and they really address that issue about female scientists and that it's a bit harder for females to get their foot in the door with science. And I think the more that we talk about the issue, that obviously there's an inequality. So my opinion here doesn't matter whether I think it's easy or hard for a female to be a scientist. Mm -hmm. There's math, you know, there's statistics that show there are a lot more men scientists and doctors than there are females. So just by us talking about this and getting more young girls inspired in science and that you're good at science, you can do science too it allows them the opportunity to do that. Uh, because based off of what I'm saying about this documentary and statistics, there's obviously a huge bias. It's, a, it's an unconscious bias uh, that, that people have. They think that scientists, they relate it more to men. And that's just something that we have to work on changing. And unfortunately, it is probably harder for women to get in or I should say it would have been harder before, but a lot of women scientists have paved the way for it to be easier for us to get into science. So if you watch that documentary called Picture a Scientist, you'll really get to see what some of these women before us went through to pave mm -hmm. the way for us to have the same um, office space and to be able to be on the faculty and to get the same kind of grants and uh, the same awards. So I think that alone is very inspiring. Right now it's, it's really hot time for women to be going into science because now that we're talking about the issue that there's more men than women, um, now that we're talking about that issue, schools are looking to make it more equal. Yeah, definitely. And what do you think that can be done, for example, to encourage more young girls to get into science? Um, someone asked me this the other day and I was thinking just to let young girls know that science is all around. Uh, I, so two of my earliest experiences was obviously as a young girl when other girls start wearing makeup and it's kind of odd, right? You're putting this stuff on your face. <laughs> so you start experimenting with it. And it's kind of weird to think we're just putting on our face something on it. What are we putting on it? And I remember my mom told me, she said that it was bat guano is what mascara was. I'm like, what is bat guano? <laughs> and I guess that's bat droppings. I mean, it's, you know, and as a little girl, I was like, ew, we're putting bat poop on our face. <laughs> That's just an example that science is is everywhere. I mean, it has to come from, it comes from somewhere. So these chemicals, 
Another example is finding out that aspirin is really from a tree bark is how it's first discovered. So if you can start talking to little girls and having them go on, you know, nature walks, I used to go rock hunting. My grandma used to ask me to point out what different types of birds were and different types of trees. All of this is science. And I think we do this every day, but we don't point out that that's what they're doing. And so just to kind of start to cultivate the mind and open it up and do little experiments with them. Uh, you know, obviously everybody loves to use vinegar and baking soda to make a volcano. Gotta do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, even baking, I baked a lot with my family, the men and the women in my family when I was younger and we would measure stuff out. That's kind of what a chemist does in the laboratory. Mm -hmm. So all of these are really important skills, but I think it's more important for the girl to see it as I'm not learning to bake so I can stay at, so I can stay at home and be a mom. And which by the way, I think all of those things are great. I think that being a stay at home mom and I think being a mother are probably one of the hardest challenges in life. So I'm not downplaying that, but I'm saying it's important for the little girl to know that she she can be either, or she can be both. She can be a scientist and a mom, or she can be as just a scientist. She doesn't have to be a mom, or she can be just a mom. She doesn't have to be a scientist. So there's this nurturing aspect to us as women that all of us are moms. We're all caretakers. So if you have siblings, I take care of my siblings. I have mm -hmm. animals. I take care of them. So I'm still a caretaker. I I take care of my friends. I take care of my elders. You know, I, I help take care of my grandma. So there's still that nurturing mother in me. And then in every mother, there's still the scientist, right? She's still teaching her child colors and she's teaching her, her child what different um, gemstones are and different trees and different animals. And so I think it's important for us to cultivate that at a very, very young age, that there's both in you, you're a nurturer and you're a scientist. There's a little bit of scientist in all of us. That's really nice. I totally agree. Um, for example, like in my country, I think like at least in my school, we actually didn't have like many of those kind of like talks, you know, in which scientists come and just like talk to us a bit. And I think it likes like one of the main problems right now because we really don't experience much design field. So we have no idea how is it gonna be like. And for example, like for me, it was kind of hard to really like decide that I was into neuroscience because I had never experienced it and I wasn't informed about that. And I knew that if I want to be informed, then I had to do it by myself. So I had to just like do my research and just like find out what neuroscience was like, because I had no idea that neuroscience exists. The only thing I knew about the brain was like, okay, I need to go into medical school and then I need to be a neurologist. So I think there's like the lack of information and the lack of experience because I know a lot of my friends that are kind of afraid to go into the science field because they just don't know if they're going to like it at the end because they've never experienced that. So I feel like if schools um, may like a little bit more of effort to really include science in like the daily life of students and I don't know, like maybe workshops, have talks with scientists, even like workshop with scientists, that would be a really, really great way to just like encourage and motivate people to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And see, I think I was lucky because my grandmother was a, um, a clinical, well, she was a psychiatric nurse. 
And so she was always talking to me about understanding other people's viewpoints and these very large terms that I didn't understand as a little girl. And she would explain them <laughs> to me, and, you know, the thought process. And mm -hmm. so I had that, but she was the only person and you're completely right. I think back to when I was in high school and there was not one female speaker. Um, and then, gosh, I'm thinking, you know, back to how I said, I didn't know that neuroscience was an option. When I enrolled in college, another thing that, and this was probably 15 years ago, the first time, they're like, well, you are either gonna go into the art school or the sciences, right? The mm -hmm. arts are And I knew I wanted to be a psychologist, but they, they'll say, oh, but the science courses are really hard and they're extra work. Oh, and no. in, in my undeveloped mind or my developing you know, brain, I was thinking, okay, life has already been so hard, right? I, uh -huh. I was competing at a very early age in high school um, to have a 94 and above in all my classes because my grandma said, you should try this. So I did, right? And mm -hmm. I was burnt out. So the last thing I wanted to do was hear someone say, well, if you take biology for science majors, it's going to be a lot harder. And so I didn't. I, I went, that's why I stuck with psychology and business. And I went to an arts-based um, focus, which came back to bite me in the rear end because when I decided I wanted to be a neuroscientist in pre-medicine, I had to then retake all those classes. I had to retake biology for science majors and chemistry for science majors and just all of these four science major classes, even statistics. So I had to retake math classes and that was really frustrating. And looking back now, I love these classes. This is what I needed to cultivate. I needed to cultivate working the different lab methods and the doing the different chemistry and mixing the different elements and learning about the compounds, right? I, I would have loved that. And since I love it, I wouldn't have thought it was so hard. So I'm a bit frustrated that someone said, oh, well, that path is harder. If you love yeah. science, it's not going to be harder, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's like the fear that a lot of my fellow like students have, you know, like my friends and stuff. They're always like, I don't know, like if I should do this because it's going to be like difficult. But I mean, if it's like really what you're passionate about, then you should just like go for it. And sometimes society just like really limits us as in like they say, OK, this is too hard or you may find this difficult or you may not achieve what you want, you know, like even though you're going to work hard for it, it's still going to be hard. And it's like, hey, why are you doing this to me? I was so motivated and now it's just like, I don't know, making me not want to do this because of all these comments that you're making right now. So I definitely, yeah. definitely understand. Yeah, and look, I'll put it this way. The things that are gonna be difficult for you are the things that you don't wanna do, right? I do yeah. not wanna write a paper. I don't wanna write a paper over a subject I don't have interest in. So for me, that's hard. It's hard to sit down, it's hard to focus, it's hard to do research on something that I'm not interested in. Whereas doing something that other people see is difficult, that's how other people see science. That, that might be a, how they saw science, but for me, it was so cool and so fascinating to figure out, I look up one word and I don't know what that word means. And so now I gotta look that up and I figure out all these other words. And that to me is interesting when it's about the brain and when it's about science.
Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Misty, so, so much for this uh, interview. It was amazing talking to you. And um, I guess I'll see you then for the episode about your work. I can't wait. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed my time speaking with you. Thank you so much. Take care, okay? Thanks. Bye. Bye.